0: All right, Acts chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. And then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart That you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And a great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, carried him out, and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young man came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay. Um, So the, the sermon title tonight is called Honesty. And this is actually not um, a standalone story. If you remember from last night, um, or last night, last week, rather, at the end of Acts chapter four, it talks about how the church has been living together, sharing and selling land, etc. And it actually ends chapter four talking about this man named Barnabas, who sold some land he had, gave all the proceeds to the poor. And now it says, now there was a man, you know, kind of in contrast, so this... Luke is telling us this story, just to give a little bit of context to remind us of where we are. In Acts chapter 5, what he's doing is contrasting what was happening at the end of Acts chapter 4 with all the harmony with this, right? Um, And so we have this story of these two people. Verse 1 to 2, we learn that Ananias and Sapphira sell some property, as people were doing, like we just saw, but this time was different. Scripture tells us they kept back part of the money. And this word kept back in Greek is is not just, you know, oh, they held back some of it, but it, it has a connotation of deceit to it. It's like the word swindled in English, right? It was very intentional. They thought they could trick people by doing this. It was intentional. It was deceitful. It was lying. And it was not just an, an in-the-moment thing, as scripture tells us, but this was premeditated, that full knowledge that they would go and try to do this thing, that they would try to go and trick the apostles, right? And, and what's interesting about this story, as we'll read on, you'll see, it is actually very similar to Joshua chapter 7. If you remember Joshua chapter 7 in the Old Testament... When the people are going to conquer Canaan, and they have this great defeat at the city of Ai, Ai, some people take some of the or some people take some of the plunder, and sin has entered the camp in the story in Joshua seven. And now we have something kind of similar. Up until this point, there's been lots of good things, hasn't there? There's been lots of positive things since the book of Acts has started. The community was strong and unified in the early church. And as it was with Joshua, the the people were strong and unified entering the promised land. But sin has entered. And then in verse 3, Peter says to them, pretty harsh words, how is it that Satan has filled your heart? How have you allowed Satan to come into your heart? Now, when we talk about this, we're not talking about like a demon possession or anything of that nature. Another way of saying this might be like, how Ananias, have you allowed Satan to tempt you so? How have you allowed Satan to tempt you? Why have you allowed Satan to take hold of your heart, these lies to take hold of your heart? Because it's not just me you're trying to lie to. You're trying to lie to the very Holy Spirit. You're trying to lie to God, he says. And in case we didn't know, let me just say it outright. (laughs) That um, this is not a good thing. That we, you and I, brothers and sisters in Christ, we do not want to lie to God, son, spirit, or otherwise. Ananias and his wife, Sapphira, were intentionally being deceitful and dishonest, not just to the apostles, but to God himself. And in verse 4, Peter says, it's almost like, you didn't have to do this. You didn't have to lie. You didn't even have to sell the property no one's forcing you to do this thing. Why would you intentionally deceive God? Why would you intentionally try to deceive your brothers and sisters in Christ? No one made you do this. What's going on? Why did you try this thing? And the first part of this whole idea of honesty that we see here, and we'll, talk, we'll come back to this, but you know, one of the first things we see here is that we as believers... You and me together, we cannot try and deceive God. Honesty starts with all of us by being honest before our God, right? I mean, and this is something that only we know. This is the hard thing about this, right, is we can't prove to other people that we're being totally honest. You can't go to someone and say, oh, no, 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 this is everything. This is all of my thoughts and fears and and, and all of these things. We can't prove it. It's between us and God right? And no one else knows your heart like God knows your heart. No one else knows your sin like God knows your sin. And so for all of us, we need to understand that this idea of honesty first starts with us being honest before God. But we'll come back to this. Verse five, get back to the story. Verse five, when Ananias heard this, when Peter called him out in front of everyone, When Peter calls him out and says, why have you tried to lie to God himself through the Holy Spirit? Scripture tells us that he fell down and he died. And then (laughs) after after these men come in and take him out, then a couple hours later, his wife comes into the apostles, not knowing what has happened. And the same thing happens. Scripture tells us in verse 7, 8, 9, and 10 that she didn't know that this had happened already with her husband. And she goes in and he asks her, he says, hey, is this the amount? And she lies, and she too dies. And then verse 11, this part of the story wraps up with Luke writing that great fear came among the people, came among the church. So what's going on? It's a story that if you've been in church a while, you're familiar with it. Many of you have probably heard this before. And and it's sort of a tough one, isn't it? I mean, first of all, what's going on? Why did God strike them down? Did God strike them down? You know, because many of us read this and think, God struck these people down. Why? I've heard people use this story as a criticism against God. Well, God killed those people in the Old and the New Testament, in the book of Acts. How could God do that? Well, first of all, let me point something out. Just for the sake of what we just read, those 11 verses, it doesn't actually say that God killed them, does it? It doesn't actually say that God struck them down. It doesn't say that. We actually don't really know what happened. You know, maybe maybe they had a heart attack. You know, maybe maybe God did do it. What's going on? Well, the honest answer, and some people will teach one thing or another, but I want to be totally upfront with all of you to what scripture says. And the honest answer here is that scripture doesn't say what exactly happened with these people. Scripture doesn't tell us some believe God did it. Some believe they may have been so mortified and shocked by this, you know, by this revelation of truth that only they knew uh, that they had like a heart attack or that, you know, <clears throat> something else happened. We, we really honestly just don't know. The Bible simply doesn't say. And so we coming to this text, trying to understand, have to be fair to that. It may be that God did this, but we just don't know. So what can we learn? For you and for me tonight, as we look at Acts chapter 5, what can we learn? Because we may not know exactly what happened, but we can learn a lot from this story. I believe this story is a very, very important point in the beginnings of the church in Acts. And so let's just go for the obvious lesson here. Let's go for the one that's like headlights shining on it. Honesty. This scripture There's no secret meaning. There's no secret subtext. It's about honesty before God. And that's how it starts, but that's not where it finishes. See, I mentioned that before. You and I, as Christians, we need to be honest before our God. But that's not it. There's more. We also need to be honest with ourselves, don't we? The part of this life we are called to in following God is to be honest with God, but then also to be honest with ourselves. and then to also be honest with one another. See, there's three things that are really important to this idea of honesty, being honest with God, being honest with ourself, and being honest before others. So let's look at these real quick. Honesty before God, well, it's clear, right? All you have to do is read Psalm 139. Where can you go to hide from God? What can you do to hide from God? If you figure it out, great. But according to scripture, it says that we can go nowhere and we can do nothing to hide from God. That God knows already. And so we, as his children, need to be honest with him. Because even though he knows, we need to open ourselves up to God in submission to him. And so the first thing we need to know is we need to be honest before God. The second thing we need to know is we need to be honest before ourselves. And this is when it starts getting really difficult, isn't it? This is when deceit and lies enter into our life. And then we let them stay there. And and sometimes we actually invite these things into our life, don't we? You know, John 1, Jesus says that he he came, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? The imagery there that I've shared with with you before is like Jesus coming and, and pitching his tent in our camp. Sometimes what we do is we actually allow sin and deceit to come in and set up camp in our life as well, don't we? And we don't do anything to stop it. We deceive ourselves into thinking that because we are saved by grace that sin is safe. Or there's like a line, right? Like, oh, I can go this far and that's still okay. We deceive ourselves by drawing some arbitrary line so that we feel better about ourselves. But really what we're doing is just trying to push as far as we can to do whatever we want. And we're deceiving ourselves. We think somehow I could still go this far. I can still do this much and it's still okay with God or it's not as bad as it could be. Insert whatever rules you do to justify the choices you make when you are living in deceit or living in sin. This is very similar to what I was talking about last week with money, right? We give so much money so it looks good, so we feel good, so that we can do whatever we want with the rest of our money. We do the same thing with our sin. We do. We allow certain things to exist or, or smaller sins to accumulate in our lives, and we're deceiving ourselves. This is exactly what Ananias and Sapphira did, or Sapphira did. They they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to sell this land so that everyone will like us. We're going to sell this land and give a ton of the money to the church so that everyone will hold us up and it'll be good and life will be good. But what are we going to do? We're just going to keep a little bit for ourselves. We're going to keep this much just in case. And they deceived themselves. See, church, we have to be honest before God, but we also have to be honest to ourselves. We have to be honest about our own hearts, about our own temptations. We cannot lie to ourselves either. And then lastly, we're honest to God. We're honest with ourselves. We are called to be honest before others, to not drag others into our mess. And this is sort of like a combination of the first two. When our honesty before God reminds us of the grace we need, right? When we're honest before God, we were reminded of how big and how mighty he is and how much grace we need to approach this God. And then when we're honest with ourselves, It reveals not just the big picture of how much we need God, but every single day how much we need God. Because we cannot do this on our own. Otherwise, this sin that is camped in our heart will stay there forever. And then when we're honest with God and we're honest with ourselves and we realize that we need the grace of Jesus Christ, then we can go out into our communities. Then we can go to our families and our friends and be honest. See, when we realize how much we need God, no one is more and no one is less. And so then we can go to the people in love, being totally open and transparent. Because the same way we need God to overcome these things, our friends and our family need God to overcome these things. And this is how we're supposed to be living this life. Sharing life, praying together, being gracious with one another, loving one another because we can acknowledge our own story before God and others. And we know we all then need God's grace. Being honest with God, being honest with ourselves, being honest with others, puts us all on the same level, doesn't it? And reminds us that we all need the same grace. Church, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to stop hiding and pretending that these things are okay. We need to be honest. We are his church. Fun fact about this story in Acts chapter five. This is the first time the word church is used in the Bible. Do you notice that? Verse 11. This is the first time the Greek word ekklesia where we get church comes from is used. And when I look at that, I realize these people were growing. This community of believers was growing. And this is the first major fracture that happens in the story of this church. And honesty is so important for us to live together in community. This community of acts was growing. It was solidifying. But if we want to grow, if we want to come together in these ways, it has to come from a place of honesty and openness because otherwise, our sin gets in the way. Our fear gets in the way. When we allow these things to live and set up camp and we're not honest about these things and our struggles, it creates divisions like this. It creates splits like we saw here where the church was afraid. It doesn't say they were afraid of the Lord. They were actually afraid. And imagine how sad this event was for the early church. Maybe. You've gone through this before. Maybe you've gone through a church split where a church has divided. And you don't have to imagine how sad it was for the first century church because you've lived it. I've lived it. And it's horrible. It's horrible when the hidden sin of someone else greatly affects others and divides a church. But it happens. Look at Peter's words you didn't need to lie, you guys. You didn't need to sell this land. You didn't need to lie. No one was forcing you to do this. This is a community where we can be honest. You could have said we sold the land and, and we're giving this much to the people. You didn't have to lie and say it was the full amount so you looked better. You can be yourself. It's okay. And here in this passage in Acts chapter five, we see sin entering into this community. And it's so sad because we know what that looks like. This is human nature, right? This is like the creation story in Genesis 1. Everything's good at the beginning, but then eventually sin works its way in and corrupts. See, when we look at this story, one of the things I want to remind us of, all of us, is that we are made in the image of God. But this is further proof of the corruption and power that sin has over us. I was reading just today when we talk about what this, this battle that we're talking about, this, this fight within our heart to be honest or to hide and be deceitful. And one writer wrote it like this. He said, we're like tarnished old coins, but we still bear the image of the king. And he says, how, how then can we be restored? How, how can we be more like Barnabas at the end of Acts chapter four and not like Ananias? How can we overcome sin and be honest with God and ourselves and others? First and foremost, let's just be upfront about it. We need to acknowledge the grace given to us in Jesus Christ, right? We need to remember that through his life, death, and resurrection, we have the freedom to live in grace. And then we remember that we have been given great gifts to learn and grow and overcome sin. We've been given the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been given the truth of the scriptures. God has given us one another that we live life with. We have been given all we need to overcome. And yet we still allow deceit to dwell. You know, the church fathers Mm -hmm. in the first couple of centuries defined this term as the interior combat. The Latin word is a cesis, but interior combat is better. They said that this interior combat that goes on in our hearts... Is a greater battle than wars fought. This interior combat is saying each and every day as we walk through life me or God, honesty or selfishness. The little angel on my shoulder, right? Like you see in cartoons, the little angel on my shoulder telling me to do what's right, or the little devil on our shoulder. Who should we listen to? The voice telling us to sin and to be dishonest and to seek personal gain? Let's just call it what it is. That voice sometimes makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Because the blessings of this world are not a bad thing. The gift of this couple of Ananias and Sapphira, or Sapphira to have this land to sell was a fundamentally good thing. But the deceit they allowed to stay in their heart through dishonesty took that gift from God and turned it into something that split and made a community afraid to take that wealth and keep some for themselves in dishonesty. See, the dishonest person, the person that is living in deceit, who is allowing deceit to live in their heart, that person is taking the blessings from God and turning them into something that they use for their own selfish gains. But the honest person, the person who is honest with God, honest with themselves, and honest with one another, they look in the scriptures and see through the power of the Holy Spirit that they can go beyond the desires of this life, that they can grow past some of these temptations and experience the kingdom of God. That through our honesty, that we experience more of God's blessing in the kingdom of God here on earth. Friends, honesty with God, with ourselves, with others, It is absolutely essential to us. It is absolutely essential to this life that through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the scriptures, and through life together, we can have this greater understanding of God. We can have this fullness of the Spirit as we read about in the book of Acts. But the first major thing we see dividing this church and creating problems is a deceitful spirit. People that were not honest first with God and themselves. And then that led to dishonesty in the community, division in the community, fighting and strife. I wish I knew exactly what happened with these two, but scripture doesn't give us the exact detail of what happened, but what you and I can learn from this passage is how to find deeper community, how to find freedom in honesty. Anyone who's ever been caught in a lie or stuck lying over and over and over, knows how it feels like you're being enslaved by the lie. But scripture tells us, and this story reminds us, that to be honest before God, to be honest with ourselves, to be honest with one another, it's freedom. We can live in freedom with the grace of Jesus Christ, going about our days with the Holy Spirit, giving freely, loving freely, doing the things God has called us to do. And what it takes is for us to be honest first with God, then with our own hearts. And then we can go out into the people we love the most in this world and give our very lives as Christ did, because he's given us that freedom. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. God, thank you for this story. It is difficult. It is a hard thought to think that these people died one way or another for this, but God, I, Thank you for the lesson of honesty, both in the Proverbs and and here in this story. That you desire children with honest hearts and honest lips. And so, God, let us be honest and true before you. Let us come to you with our burdens and our fears. And let us not take them into the community and create division. You are good, Lord. And for these things, we give you thanks. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, let's go ahead and take a moment and reflect on these things through singing together. So let's enjoy a song together.